first question, knowing that you like to provoke like controversy and drum mm. this up, was this self-inflicted? Did you do this on purpose? 100% no, but did I afterwards? Because people like when I walk back into like the little area where the PSA TV guys are and the PSA representatives and, and the Chris Gordon and um, the announcer, Danielle, they all look at me like, like again, like I slapped the Pope, like I did the worst thing in the history of squash, which... It's not obviously, but then every time Mohammed was about to, was going to play, I went back in. And I'd go, "You guys throw a hundred dollars on the table right now. I will announce he's from Egypt again." None of them would do it, so I would I would have done it again, but uh, nobody was willing to pony up the money that it would have taken for me to do it again. Guys, here's episode number ten of the weekly roundup, catching up on the headlines, results, and rankings from the professional and college squash game. We had a lot to cover this week. And in that case, we needed to bring in some extra horsepower to help us get that done. And we needed to bring the best. That's PJ Paul Johnson getting back on the mic with us. We go through we go through Mustafa Saul becoming one of the youngest world number ones ever. We talk about the controversial match between Marwan El Shabagi and Mustafa Saul determining Asal becoming world number one and the referee decision behind that. We share some of the comments from pros around that. Then we get into the TOC, the Tournament of Champions, the big show going on in Grand Central Station, and we go through lightning round predictions. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. What about this? This call is being recorded. Fans, we are back for another edition of the Weekly Roundup, catching up in the weekly headlines and results from the professional tour and college squash. We have a monster show to cover, and we needed some extra firepower to help do that. So we're bringing the band back together, Bill and PJ. Welcome. Happy New Year, guys. It's been a while. Um, Everybody looks quite fresh-faced and rested after the uh, the pretty hectic Christmas period, but it's great to be back, and uh, and I can't wait for for this season to to get going. Hey, Connor. Hey, PJ. It's nice to have you back. Um, Good. Thanks, Bill. Do, do you see the blood coming out of his mouth? Do you know how hard that was for Bill not to talk first? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I mean, I, I haven't seen PJ in a while. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like we personally, we like on purpose ostracized him from the show. We haven't, that's not on purpose. It was just a happenstance, circumstance. Think, we had, we're, yeah. This is not an anti-PJ podcast by any means. PJ, you know this is an anti-Gregory uh, Gauthier from one person <laughs> podcast, that but much. that uh, is it. <laughs> In 2023, he's actually been very um, true. mild. And also, that, just so. know, we're a little bit late this week for, for reasons. I, I was down in Houston uh, during the—I mean, there was a tournament down in Houston. I don't know if you guys read anything about it. It was pretty low-key. Not, not a lot came out of there. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys were knew that was even happening. But when I got—I didn't get home till late on Monday, and then um, I uh, was felled by a— uh, a, uh, a throat injury so I'm, uh, I'm I'm back I'm back for a Wednesday show and we'll get this out and it's it's timely with the TOC so we're good we're good good timing yeah yeah so a lot to dig into I mean coming out of Houston Bill we talked about this as a preview uh but you know um and it happened Mustafa Asal becoming world number one the third youngest player ever to achieve that uh distinguishing factor and uh, what do you guys think? I think he's world number one, right? <laughs> he got he got there he got there the old fashioned way. He earned it, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, PJ, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it was just a matter of time, wasn't it? I think when we saw Asal come onto the scene, it was pretty obvious pretty early on that there was uh, an immense amount of talent from the uh, the young Egyptian. Just the way that he 
he's so mobile, so athletic, so powerful, naturally powerful at such a young age and played with a, a level of maturity that uh, especially us at Squash TV hadn't seen for, for quite some time. Um, very unique style of play, very, a very, very heavy hitter of the ball. Um, the last time I saw somebody of that kind of frame and that build move so powerfully uh, and athletically into the front two corners were when we go back to the days of Del Harris, English player that we've discussed before on the podcast. Um, he was like 6'2", you know, extremely well built, but it's just had that nimble, dynamic, elastic, kind of powerful bounding movements. And that's what we saw a little bit with um, with Mustafa when he came on. Um so I'm pleased for him. I think he's thoroughly deserved. He's been the most consistent. Um, we've certainly seen flashes of brilliance from him and he, he's the all-round complete player. But that doesn't come without uh, a pretty significant amount of controversy as well, which we'll, we'll, which we'll get into. So, so before we get into the controversy, just what did you guys think of now with the weekly PSA rankings? So when Paul Call became number one in Chicago... Like you knew before the tournament started, regardless, Paul Call could have got run over by a bus before the first round and he was still going to be number one like on that Tuesday. So it lacked a bit of drama where now with the weekly rankings, like we knew going into that that match, that semifinal match, that if Asal won, he'd be number one. So it obviously added a little bit of drama. You guys think that's that's good or do you think now that like the, the rankings could change next week after TOC results or a week and a half from now is like the rankings don't really mean as much anymore. What's your take on that? Um, for me personally, we did do a, we did discuss this topic again earlier in a podcast. I'm not a massive fan of the weekly changing of the rankings. I, it, mm. For me, it just devalues that position, and I'm not taking anything away from the from a player standpoint because it's not particularly their fault. But just to see so much change, you know, players when they look back on their careers, they say they reached a career high of world number three or number two. It may only be for one week. So do they really, uh, were they the second or third best player for that particular season uh, in the world? I don't necessarily think that's the case. It does add for a few stories. If you, you know, we'll discuss it again later in this show. But this week, there's three possible possible new world number ones in the men's draw. So you're going to get a lot of change and a mm. lot of movement within the rankings. Just for me, I'm more of a fan of the just the consistency throughout a season and and earning those those ranking positions but i mean everybody's got their own kind of take on it but that's my opinion yeah it's an interesting take i i mean i like the weekly ranking because it it mixes it up and it it, uh, you know i mean think of the trailing performance it takes to get established those rankings so i think if it's showing how close people are that's actually probably a good thing and then when you get someone who is really just heads and shoulders above it you're going to see that distinguishing factor so the fact is this has been so close for so long and there is so much talent out there. It's like, yeah, the pressure will be on to like ma- maintain. I also position. think it also shows how, how, how dominant uh, Noran Gohar has been uh, be- <laughs> yeah. because mm-hmm. I think Noran Gohar could get run over by a bus uh, on 42nd Street. Not that I want that to happen, Noran, mind you, um, and still be number one at the end of the TOC. I believe that is the case. So um, just, yeah. just a, a testament to her absolute dominance of the women's tour. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So. Well, the the way Mustafa got to world number one, like you said, it's it's sort of emblematic of his rise to number one. Was it was pretty controversial? Yeah. Um, so I, I was in. there. Um, I was on site. I was the MC for that tournament. So I was sitting courtside when um, the the that day of that match. So everybody obviously looking forward to the semifinal between Marwan Al Shabagi and and Asal. The tension in that arena 
leading up to that match and every point before that the conclusion of that match was unlike any feeling I had ever had a tournament. It's almost like you were waiting for something to happen, something to blow up <laughs> the, uh, every point. Mm-hmm. I think every point in one of the games was a referee decision. So the squash itself was abysmal. It was ridiculously hard to watch. The fans in, in Houston are so knowledgeable about squash and you could tell people were getting very upset and were like, you know what? We didn't pay money to watch this garbage for lack of a better word. And literally it was, yeah. it, it started with, uh, Asal, fighting through to get try to get position him maybe maybe bodying Mar- marwan and then marwan it seemed like flipped a switch and said you know what i'm not going to take this and his elbows started flying and it be- it became a it became yeah. a car wreck for lack of a better word and it culminated in what we saw when uh when marwan was um accidentally or not accidentally who knows i'm assuming accidentally hit in the groin and dropped like a shot at the tee and guys if you were there i don't think I, I've never heard such screaming in my life. I've never heard someone scream so loud for so long in my whole life. It reminded me, if in, I'm old and PJ's old, so and Connor's somewhat old, so you may go back. Go back and watch a video of Nancy Kerrigan when she got hit in the pipe, in the uh, leg with the pipe oh, yeah. by Tonya Harding's boyfriend in that famous video, and she keeps screaming, why me, why me, ah. It was like that, and I was like, I mean, I hope he's dying because, number one, it was like, okay, dude, I know you're hurt, and I know getting hit in the groin obviously hurts, but enough's enough. That, that I mean, that was yeah. over, well over the top to the point where Asal started laughing because he's like, there's no way this is possible that this guy's doing this. He's definitely, mil- like, making, acting a bit. I mean, it was it was almost comical. So um, yeah. that happened. Um, they He laid on the court for an interminable amount of time until they got people out there got him up on a chair, sat him on a chair, and then got him off court, and then that's when the fun began. Um, and so uh, <laughs> do, do you want to uh, – I, I, do you want me to go through, through like, what yeah. happened from my point of view? Well, first, let's also um, – should we give the context of, like, the final decision, and you can give sure. the color? So I'll, sure. I'll play um, – this is officially what ended up happening and what was communicated okay. to the crowd. Thank you for your patience. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. El Shabegi is not going to be able to continue the match. The rule was that it was a contributed injury, so he's allowed recovery time and then more recovery time. After that point, the match is awarded to the opponent, so the match is awarded to Mustafa. But uh, we're going to have medical personnel coming around the back to go and make sure that uh, Marwan is taken care of. The players for the next match have been informed and they're warming up and getting ready to continue on here. So we'll have that match going. All right. Thanks. So, Connor, yeah. So and then Sheldon got on the microphone a little bit later and also further clarified that it was his decision to stop the match. And he, as mm-hmm. Sheldon also says, and you could go on PSA TV and see it, he said that Marwan disagreed with that decision. But the question is, and what's gray is the timing of all of this. So on my end, I was not in the back when the, I mean, if, if the, the circus that it was for like the half an hour or 40 minutes, it, I couldn't even describe what was going on. There were so many different parts of it. And Sheldon in one place, Marwan being in the back and the EMS people trying to take him away to the doctors and him on the phone with, I guess, the PSA. Um, <laughs> and then once the match was announced by Sheldon, that Asal, of course, takes off his shoes, stuffs his rackets in his bags, and then comes over to me and says, hey, I want to go on court. And I was like, well, this is a little awkward. As far as we know, Marwan al 
you know, dying in the back. And based on his screams, you know, I don't know if it'd be awkward for me to go on court and say, and world number one, you know, Mustafa Asal, and like make a big show of this. So I, I reluctantly agreed. And he, I mean, it's his moment. He wants to go. And I figured maybe he'll apologize. And he goes on court. I still don't, I, I forget exactly what he said, to be honest with you. I was still, there was so much going on. But while he was on court, I look over to my right, and if you've ever been to the Houston Squash Club, there's a door, and that's where they had Marwan. Out of that door, running to the down the side of the court, is Muhammad. Ostensibly, I'm assuming he heard the announcement from uh, from Sheldon, and is now running after Sheldon to tell him, "No, no, no, Marwan wants to play." Um, <laughs> it's kind of it, it felt like when uh, when Kurt, when um, Daniel LaRusso's girlfriend came out and whispered to the referee like after it looked like Daniel San's leg was broken and she came out at the end and said <laughs> whispered his thing and all of a sudden the announcer said wait a minute Daniel LaRusso's going to continue it was it was kind of like that it was it was very very odd and so <laughs> good karate kid so that happened and then the PSA representative goes over and tells Mustafa hey you need to wait and Mustafa says no. I am not waiting. Sheldon told me that the match was over. I am not waiting. And meanwhile, while the PSA official is telling me, he continues to stuff clothes in his bag and is like, he's on the phone calling an Uber. <laughs> and this is, he is on the phone. He's out of there. He's out of there. Yeah, he's done. And so, yeah. I mean, fair enough. Look, the decision was yeah. made. There's no really, there's no appeal. So, no so the last part yet. was in the end, there is a, a little white Uber, like a tiny, tiny little white Uber pulls up. Mustafa saw the brand new number one player in the world, puts his squash bag over his thing, walks down the steps of the Houston squash club and hops in this little white car and as pulls away as people are snapping photos of his, the white car pulling away. <laughs> it was, That's it was crazy. It was crazy. It was just a crazy situation. Um, Sheldon said that he made the call like So I don't know. I don't know the rules and whether Sheldon had the, has the authority to make that call. Uh, he said it was his decision to stop the match. Um, so, I, I don't know. To give some context, and I'd love to hear PJ's thoughts on this, but essentially as a referee, there's three different paths when an injury occurs. you got to determine, was it self-inflicted, was it contributed, or opponent-inflicted? Now, with Mustafa Asal, we, we, we've had the controversy of opponent-inflicted at the U.S. Open with Lucas Erm. Now we've experienced what the, con- the contributed uh, path was, um, and you can see the decision there. So we can, we can agree this certainly wasn't self-inflicted. Yeah, 100%. Right? So then you're 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 left with the other two options. So PJ, I mean, what 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 when you saw this, what are your? Thoughts I was actually watching. I was watching the match live. Uh, I was down at a JCT Junior Tournament in at Squash on Fire down in uh, DC, and they had it on on the big screen. So I was just plotted up at the bar watching watching the match unfold. And my initial thought, as soon as the incident took place, was. I hadn't seen much of the match leading up to that, but I, I had a feeling it was going to be fraught with controversy and incidents. But the initial movement from Mustafa Asao is shocking. The, the, the position that he got into, Marwan's up 10-4 game ball, and Mustafa Asao's gone to take a backhand volley drop into the front left-hand corner. But the, if you look at the shift of the right leg into the path of Marwan, that for me is a conduct stroke all day long, at, at, at least. Um... The way that Marwan went down initially, it looked like a horrendous... I, could, I had no sound, so I couldn't really tell what had happened. But because of the contact and the way that Marwan went down and the lack of movement from him when he went down, I initially thought this is, this is bad. Um, hold on, hold on, PJ, hold on. Ah! So just because so just, just, you didn't have any sound, I wanted, to reenact, I wanted to reenact that for you. All right. It was gut-wrenching, visceral, really? 
it, it, it yeah you? oh it was yeah it was as if he something got ripped precise well again without the sound the the motionlessness of him on the ground it looked really it looked bad and i thought this is this is damage and i even actually text uh i text rodney martin who works with um Mustafa and just said have you seen what's just happened this looks pretty bad obviously it's one of his players um but the, then he just sort of laid there motionless for 10 15 minutes with just no movement whatsoever I then started to doubt just how bad the situation was because you would at least, after the initial shock of the pain of an incident, you would start to see a little bit of reaction from the player, but he just laid completely dormant on the ground. Then it just got into a kind of a weird territory when it just he just stayed down for so long that a bit of doubt would have crept into the minds of a lot of people where, you know, what is why is Marwan still down? It's one of two things. Either it really is that bad, and I'm talking horrendous, you know, as you say, career-ending potential injury, or he's trying to milk it. He's trying to create a situation where, and he knows the rules, he would have seen what had happened at the US Open, where because he knows that the movement from a Sal created this interference, if he cannot continue to play, then he would have won the match by default. I think that was maybe the line of thinking of my. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I think you're right. You're calling the elephant out yeah. in the room, right? I mean, that's what we're we're looking at. I think a big indication for me was when medical treatment was on. Like the trainer had hands on. I think within two two or yeah. three minutes, yeah. roughly, and then he's lifting his hips up, right? So like that. If you're in that dramatic right. pain, you wouldn't want anyone yeah, you don't touching want anybody you. Near you. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, he he's. This is basically what you said. He got hit yeah. in the groin, which is... As we uh, all know. Have you as have you we guys experienced? Ex- speaking from the male species, we, it can be very painful. Have you... I've I mean, I've it, had yeah. one... Where, yeah, I've had a soccer ball, like, from one or two yards out. I I was afraid to look because I thought they exploded. <laughs> that That is what went through my mind. I was like, I don't want to look. I don't want to see it. Yeah. And I was down and out, but up and running within you know 10 minutes yeah. 15 minutes yeah. yeah so i think pj's uh t- totally accurate well another one pj before we go could you say controversy again controversy <laughs> i love it i love it um so the control it does Sounds the so much controversy. more elegant um but no i i agree with pj it, my take on it was that just what pj said he was thinking back to the lucas serum incident at the u.s open and when he was back and laying on the ground he was milking it he got brought to the back he thought that Sheldon was going to announce that he won the match. He heard that all of a sudden that wasn't going to happen, and all of a sudden he got better. He was he was okay to play. He wasn't okay to play yeah. up until then, but then he was okay to play once he found out he was not going to win the match by a walkover. So he got he got got called out. He got caught, and uh, and and whether whether or not it was Sheldon's call to make, that's the different story. That I don't know the rules well enough to know if that's the case. Whether he has that authority, but. Yeah, the referee so has authority. I'll, I'll just cla- there, just clarify though, Bill. I think this this I'm talking about. I'm not saying exactly what Marwan's trail of thought was. I think these were the two options that will be going through people's minds while that incident's taking place. I'm not for one minute accusing Marwan of trying to cheat or or manufacture a situation here. Just for the record, um, just for the record, I am. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair <laughs> enough. What I what I will say is the contact that um, took place between Marwan and Mustafa would not have happened had Mustafa Asal not 
blocked and moved into the line of path of Marwan. Had he stayed and had he kept his ground and stayed in his position, Marwan would have had a line to the inside, round through to the front left-hand corner to retrieve the ball. It's only because of the line that Asal took with with the movement that that infringement took place. So, you know, the whole thing could have could have been avoided. What I'm curious about is to why the referees came to the decision that it was a contributed injury. That, for me, is a player-inflicted injury. The fact that Asal has moved in that manner has caused that particular... Well, I, I think it doesn't fall into a black-and-white category right. for me. Like, I think there's some element of grey. And that's why I'm like, I can see... I mean, let, let's say this was imponent-inflicted, um, regardless of intentionality, right? Like, I don't think there was massive intentionality. There is a path where it could be opponent-inflicted, but it also doesn't feel like a, a, a clear-shut case yeah, I think can I, can I just in, interrupt there, Connor? When a player moves in that manner, and I've done it, all top players and pros have done it, you, you're doing it on purpose. You're doing it to purposely get into the way of your opponent. If you look at the first in the second game, one love, three, four, I think the score is, Marwan does exactly the same thing. So players, players are fully aware of how they're moving and what their intentions are. When you say there's no, uh, what did you say, intentionality? What, what was the word you used? Intent, there's no yeah, intent. Well, I, players are doing that on purpose. I, I That's think being done. In- I, I agree, which raises the larger issue of like, I completely, fundamentally disagree with Mustafa Sal's yeah. movement and how he uh, interacts with yeah. opponents. Fundamentally disagree. I think there's a different path that that needs to be Correct. corrected. Yeah. You know, and and maybe this should have been the incident of you know as you're talking about it. Maybe this should have been like, yeah, Mustafa, like you keep doing that movement, you're going to be penalized and you're going to lose matches. May- yeah, actually, I hadn't thought of that till now. That, that's that- one of the reasons why Mustafa's already been in trouble yeah. with the PSA because this this is this is not yeah. <laughs> certainly not uh, his first rodeo, and the first time it's been called out. This this is the reason that he's received bans in the past is is for the movement issues. PSA are trying to talk to him. Lee yeah. Drew, the head of referees, is in good uh, in close contact with Mustafa, trying to educate him on the way that the PSA and the rules would like him to move. Unfortunately, there there seems to be a bit of a breakdown in communication so far that um, we're not really seeing a change and a difference in that. So unless unless Gordon, sorry, Connor. I would agree. I think being more hardline about this, like referees. Well, I think, and again, I don't want to bring the referees into it because it's not necessarily their fault. But the until we get referees are going to be firmer and more penal with their, uh, you know, conduct strokes in games and consistent. Yeah, don't be scared. Like if you're seeing yeah. these incidents taking place, then you've got to come down harder. And until the day comes where the penalty for Mustafa is great enough, it's, it, it's going to continue. And the, the issue that we're having, unfortunately, we just look at the players' reactions um, from the, the incidents that took place. And I hate to say it, but there's a common denominator here. Normally, back in the day when I was playing, you'd have a certain player that you played against where there would just be a conflict conflict of styles and movement patterns, possibly where you'd, make, you'd have a bit more interference. But it's every single time Mustafa plays, whether it's Tarek Moman, whether it's Marwan El Shabagi, Mohamed El Shabagi, Victor Cruan. Everyone is running into the same problem. So yeah. he's, the, he's common the common denominator. denominator. And, yeah. and it's such a shame because I think Mustafa Asal could be so good for the game. But I'm struggling to remember a world number one 
that is so disliked. Yeah, by the players, by the players also. I mean, you saw the players' tweets about this. It was pretty, pretty lopsided. There, were, there weren't too many players landing on um, on Mustafa's side on this. Um, interestingly enough, though, I think it was also a confluence, a, a confluence of things with Marwan being the person he's playing in that match to become world number one. Marwan, who let's 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 face facts, is not an angel on court and is has really probably done as many bad things on court as Asal has done. Um, his in Chicago at the Windy City, we saw him completely tank his match once he got upset at Sheldon, right? So there's a little history between he and Sheldon. So um, what I think also is the interesting part of this is the ongoing controversy after this ends. This has not let up. And now we have, um, I think it's because there's a lot of gray area and no one's really come forward and explained exactly what happened. And now we have the Squash Mad exclusive that came out last night um, uh, about the the exclusive interview with Marwan al Shabagi that is (laughs) going to tell us everything about what actually happened in that match. So basically it turned out to be clickbait because, and I'm reading now, here's the quote from Marwan el Chabagi on the exclusive on breaking down everything that happened. Quote, there's a lot of things that happened off the court that I'm not going to get into, but I will say that every single rule behind the scenes was broken. I hope that the squash fans do not believe any of the stuff they are reading on social media because none of it is true. And only a few people who were there witnessed what actually happened off the court. Thank you for clearing that up, Marwan El Shabagi. That is makes so things so crystal clear that you can't talk about anything that happened, but you want to make sure that you're yeah. you're telling the truth. No one else is, but you can't say what your truth is. So, I mean, thank you, Squash Mad, by the way, for that exclusive and for making me click on that piece of garbage. So, FYI. So, um, so it just 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 goes on from there. So, I think that's the bigger issue that there's. Um, there's people who are saying it's a he said, she said, and nobody's saying anything. Nobody's saying what he said. Nobody's saying what she said. So um, do you want to read the Victor Kroon uh, I, message? I can. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Victor Kroon. Victor Kroon. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You've got the good voice. Well, I did. Here, I lost though. my Come voice on. during this uh, during this tournament, actually. So but but yes, I, and we got to thank a, a fan uh, researcher for sending uh, this no, one. Nobody in. sent this one. And I sent this one in. OK, as always, it was not a pretty game. But the fact that he used his body so often. To hinder my movements proves that he was not confident. so confident. If there happens to be a ref that, one, recognizes it, and two, penalizes him, then things will be different. His sense of the game and his athleticism undoubtedly earn him the number one spot in the world right now. However, his antics will also sadly make him one of our sport's worst ambassadors. That's on him to change it, on the refs to act accordingly, and of course, on us players to get better at dealing with it. Well done, well done, Victor. Well said. Uh, listen, I've, I've yeah. said this before. On the, I'm a massive fan of Victor Cruon. He, he is a, a, a real, a breath of fresh air. Harvard educated, very bright boy, and he says it as he sees it, and I, I respect him for that. And I, I think you have to agree with everything that he said in that post. Mm-hmm. So again, reverting yeah. back back to the referees. When I looked at the particular incident that took place, and then I watched. The, the match back, a couple of clips that have been posted, and I saw the uh, the, the Marwan block at one love and three four that I, I mentioned just earlier in this particular show. The description that Sheldon gives is so far wrong about what actually took place on the court, and I don't mean to signal refs don't get all the decisions right. I, I appreciate that, but the, the, the until the day comes where they start to get ex-players in who have witnessed and experienced these situations firsthand, it's going to be very difficult to get that across to, 
to referees that are just sitting there watching that haven't played, if that makes sense. Because the, they're just not in tune with the subtleties and the movement from certain players that is now becoming such a, a such a major problem in the game. Well, can't can't doesn't the the um, the replays isn't that what replays are for? So they could see it slowly, and like they, obviously they can't tell it in live because obviously it's hard for anyone to see that kind of stuff happen live. But to watch the re, to watch the replays isn't that what those replays are for? And can't anyone really take a look at that? And who, who has any kind of you know, especially these referees who have so much experience, can't they look and say, okay, that's what that's what happened? The, the, listen, the refereeing and the, the, the amount of decisions is, is dramatically decreasing and the refereeing standard and the level is definitely improving. However, there are certain referees, and I've been privy to this, I've been in the meetings where players have been in the room, um, Lee Drew's been in the room, I've been in the room, and you're trying to explain a certain scenario that's taking place on the video and it's still just not be it's not sinking in with certain referees. So I don't know what the answer is, but for me, there's a, there's a, quite a few referees that really sh- shouldn't be there, and they need to look at the ex-player route. I would just love to see this, the the difference in the decision making. If, if the level of the referees of the squash that they played at was was higher and they'd been around the tour. I think it would have a, a big impact. Sure. So, well, somebody like you, PJ, I think it's actually the impetus is on you, PJ Johnson, Paul Johnson. So to sacrifice your fifteen hundred dollars for a forty-five minute lesson and go ahead and become and become a referee on the PSA tour. I, I think if you do that, it would send a message that yes. So, so please, PJ, be that person. Step up. I, look, I've actually refereed a couple of matches, and I'm certainly not envious of the position that those guys are in. It's extremely <laughs> strenuous, and it's tense, and, and yeah. it's tough. It's, I'm not for one minute saying it's not hard. Yeah. But if we now look at the players, you've got Andrea Santamaria plays a very good level of squash. Jason Foster, for me, my opinion right now, is the best referee in the world. He needs a little bit more experience still because in a certain situations he, he can get a little bit Nervous, as which is expected, but I still feel he's the best in the business. Played a very good level, just under international, just under national level. You know, represented his county and very, very good squash player. And he he's seen those situations. He's been on the court with players that create those same scenarios. So when he sees it on the court, he's he's on it straight away. Right. Whereas if you haven't, it's so hard to see those little things that. That, that take place. So, so, so a last little uh, anecdotal uh, note on this is Mohammed's um, uh, reaction to all this. Um, <laughs> and we, we all have dealt with Mohammed El Shabagi uh, in, in our lives in different, different, uh, in different formats. Um, as I said to PJ, I think the, uh, you know, he's known as MES and the ME and MES is, is um, bolded because it is all about him. It's me. So he was not happy with, um, with his brother's antics. I could tell, I could tell by his body language and it totally threw him off because he was obviously preparing for his semifinal against uh, Mazen Hesham. Yeah. And uh, he, he actually lost that first game before he righted the ship and, and, and took, took down Mazen. But <laughs> it, it is all about Mohammed El Shrabagi. Uh, I mean, say you what you want about Marwan. Mohammed, <laughs> Mohammed's, Mohammed's divaism at these tournaments is 
off the charts. The things you cannot do and speak to him and like his corner, you're not allowed to be near his while while the match is going on, and it's a tight little quarters there, you're not allowed to be near his quarter, like his corner where his stuff is. Like I was stood there and somebody came up to me and said, Hey, you can't stand there. And I was like, Well, number one, I'm Bill Buckingham, the MC, I could stand wherever I want. Speaking of Divas, but the guy said no. <laughs> no. They said no. Muhammad doesn't like it when people stand near his corner during the during his thing. He'll look out of the court and see it. I was like, Wow, okay, cool. So I moved, of course, because it's not about it's not about me. <laughs> it, it's about him. But here's a little anecdote, and this is just uh, in in MC Screw Up 101, um, which which is what I excel at. Um, Mohammed Al Shrabagi, as we all know, doesn't doesn't represent Egypt any longer, and of course, um, it's day two of the eight match run. It's the last match of day two. Um, your MC Bill, old man, a little tired, a little fatigued. Just basically wants to get this last match on court and do his interview and go home and go to bed. And, of course, he announces the match between um, Mr. Solomon and uh, and uh, Mohammed Al-Shrabagi and says, a battle, an Egyptian, all-Egyptian battle. <laughs> and, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't against Solomon. It was against um, Baptiste Massadi. So I said, it's a French-Egypt battle. And welcome, Baptiste Massadi. He comes on court. And I said, and from Egypt. And all of a sudden, I look out, and Muhammad Al Shabagi is shaking his head at me. And I, so I don't know why he's shaking his head at me. I think he's shaking his head because maybe he's not ready to come on. I look behind me to make sure, like, there's not some, like, somebody isn't like breathing too heavy, and that would upset Muhammad, or you know, somebody maybe is scratching their eye, and that may upset Muhammad. Any kind of movement, as we know, upsets Muhammad. So I, for the life of me, don't know why he's shaking his head and refuses to come on court. He will not come on court. And then somebody yells from the stands, "He's not from Egypt." And a little bright light goes over my head, and I said crap and <laughs> you would have thought that i slapped the pope by the reaction of him it was like ridiculous he would so i said i apologize representing england and he walks on court and as he walks on court of course like disdains just, yeah no eye contact oh nothing. yeah it was like froze exactly. froze me out but i mean that being said he plays his match he beats masadi obviously and when i go back on court for the interview i said hey man sorry about that he goes ah no big deal he goes sometimes i don't even know where i'm from I was like, dude, then why the freak do you make a big deal out of it and, and make me like look like an idiot in front of all these people? So that, that's my M, my my M E S. Not that not that I need help from you, but exactly, not that I need help from you. Uh, but the M E S, the me in so, Mohammed Al Shrabagi, the me is stands out for to me anyways. Uh, it was unbelievable. So first question, knowing that you like to provoke like controversy and drum mm. this up was this self-inflicted did you do this on purpose 100 percent, no but did i afterwards because people like when i walk back into like the little area where the like, psa tv guys are and the psa representatives and, and the chris gordon and um, the announcer danielle they all look at me like like again like i slapped the pope like i did the worst thing in the history of squash which it's not obviously but then after, every time mohammed was about was going to play i went back in and i'd go you guys throw a hundred dollars on the table right now. I will announce he's from Egypt again. None of them would do it, so I would I would have done it again, but uh, nobody was willing to pony up the money that it would have taken for me to do it again. So, um, but yeah, it was funny. But la- and lastly, on this on this actual tournament is that Sherbagi Asal match was far and away not the worst, dirtiest match of the tournament. Go back and watch the Gregoire Marsh. And I'm, I mispronounce his name. I pronounce his name. It's either Dussard or Dussard. I, I never know how to pronounce his name. Auguste Dussard. 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 Talk about a nasty match. You watch wow. that. There is bad blood between those two. I, 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 obviously, they. Two Frenchmen. Yeah, who don't like each other from what I've been told afterwards. Dussard faked an injury and stopped the tournament. 
and Marsh freaked out about that, and they yelled. They were swearing at each other in French the whole match. It was nasty, nasty, as nasty a match as I've ever seen. And Gregoire Marsh is, is pretty usually a pretty decent guy on court. You know, he has yeah. he's 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 intense, but it was made made the Marwan El Shirbagi um uh assault match seem like a little playground slap fight. It was like this was nasty, nasty stuff. Real nasty. So take a look at it on PSA TV. So so before we move it, just very quickly, I just think this is at the moment the, 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 we're going into the TOC this coming week and I I honestly think there needs to be a meeting between the PSA and the men's tour. Because I can't, the, the women's game for me, and I hate to, I not hate to say it, I'm proud to say it, the ladies' game yeah. is more watchable for me right now. 100%. The men's game is in a little yeah. bit of a state that needs tidying up. There's some fantastic players out there, but some of the stuff that's being served up on the court, for one reason or another, I don't know why, it's really, it's a really tough watch. And that's coming from an ex-professional Agreed. background. Uh, and I love the game, and but nothing frustrates me more than watching these brilliant athletes you know putting on a display that is just really unnecessary and it, it needs to change so before we move on to the toc uh preview because we're, we're really running running long on this um uh Asal's dad getting suspended for 10 months um do we care i mean do we care it's a parent of a pro squash player who cares if his father got suspended i i i for one do not care it's a pretty it's a pretty big no, deal given the, the significance of the spun the the, the the reason for the argument and and who it was with, because the you know the, the I hear it's involving some of the guys at the CIB who single-handedly kept the tour going through COVID and lockdown. Massive, massive players in Egyptian squash. So when you look at the potential or the magnitude of what could happen if somebody like a CIB pulls out, then the ramifications could be pretty hefty. So. I understand oh, what you're saying. But. I understand completely that, yes, th- does he deserve yeah. to be suspended? For sure. No crop, no crime. Yeah. But I don't care. What do I care if somebody's parents, no. it's, if, if a Saul got suspended because of it, that'd be one thing. I don't care if his dad got suspended. He's an adult pro squash player. Like, so his parents can't come watch him. No. Big no, deal. I'm sure if, if Greg Marsh folks got banned from the tour, <laughs> right. nobody would even nobody, be, you know, nobody, pay any attention. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Nobody, nobody would care. So yeah. I think I just think it's such a non-story that people are making a big deal out of it. The whole CIB thing, obviously, is a huge deal. But uh, but as far as like somebody a parent getting suspended, so what? Right now, anything that involves a sal is just True. front page news. True, so, you know. and he is tweaking. He is tweaking all of that. By the way, he is the world's biggest troll. He, I mean, he just goes back at these players. He wants this controversy. He's so. I he's even so, saw. I even saw another one of his posts saying, you know, if something along the lines of. You know, if you're getting offended by this, well, wait, because there's more to come or something along those lines. Exactly. You know, so there's obviously more in his locker. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, oh, my I God. I know that uh, Tarek Moment's looking to increase his insurance policy. Yeah. I did see that, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Tarek Moment, another one who who basically screams and cries and yells every match and basically at times ruins matches. But whatever. So let's move on. Connor, move on to the TOC and – yeah, I think let's do okay. more of a lightning round TOC preview. And uh, PJ, uh, talk it. to us uh, your TOC uh, forecast. I think it's going to be a great event. Obviously, some of the players have obviously played at Houston. They're going to be nicely warmed up. It's a great kind of um, intro into the, the new year. Uh, some players in form. Obviously, we've got a Sal. Paul Cole will be looking to get that number one spot. As we said, three people, three men can regain that number one position. But the, I mean. 
just the draw is just littered with quality, isn't it? And given the time of year, that's why I love the tournament of champions because players have had a nice break leading into Christmas and over that New Year period. So the the legs are fresh, the mind's generally fresh, and everybody sort of hits the ground running. And TOC's renowned for throwing up some absolute classic uh, matchups. Um, in the ladies' event, I think you look at Gina Kennedy's just come off the back of a win in the Carol Weimuller. She's back to you know some form. She's been out for a period of time. I'm just looking forward to to, to both events. Really, the story of the the men's draw is going to be Marwan who's scheduled to play a sale in the quarterfinals. It's crazy, right? Yeah, which is going to be an absolute uh, ding dong. But I think the top half of the draw in the men's is, is just absolutely ridiculous. And and crewing us all in the six, round of sixteen, possibly. Yeah, that's that's a pretty yeah. pretty pretty uh, unbelievable round of sixteen matchup. But you're right, the the um, the um, uh, <laughs> marijuana saw quarterfinal uh, is going to be crazy. Everybody's going to have eyes on that because you know they should they should get through. Right, right. Um, the, the the bottom Ali Farag Ali Farag's obviously not featuring unfortunately, which opens up you know the bottom half of the draw, Cole. Yeah, the bottom half of the draw is not not overly. I mean, there there are obviously some strong players with uh, Diego Elias and uh, obviously Paul Cole slated to to meet in the semi. Um, Dasuki's in there. Dasuki's yeah. in there. The intriguing match for me on in the bottom. Obviously, you, you look at Cole, Dasuki, and those guys going forward. And a very intriguing match for me is a just a second round matchup between Yusuf Ibrahim and Yusuf Solomon. So. Yusuf Solomon's yeah. into the top 12. He played Mohamed El Sharbagi in Houston. They, it was three games. It was three close games, 60 minutes for three games, unusual. Um, just a tick, as Mohamed said in the um, in the post-match interview, just his his you know uh, experience got him through that match. And Yusuf Ibrahim obviously jumped, jumped on the PSA Tour with a run to the Windy City final and then got injured and hasn't been back since. So an intriguing matchup between the Yusufs to see um, – you know where where Abraham is, and to see if Solomon can make that leap because he's pretty close. As Muhammad compared him to, and you could see it if you watch it closely. Muhammad compares him to Gwad, you know, a healthy Gwad with his movement and way way he gets the ball up front and attacks the ball. So um, interesting to see if Solomon could make a leap in this tournament. I'm not sure I agree with that. Gwad is you know Gwad is a he's such a unique character. Yeah, a league he's a above. different class from yeah. Solomon in my opinion. Solomon's his movement and his power and his his, his level his fitness levels are, are phenomenal. If Yusuf Ibrahim is on, Ibrahim's one of those players who has that ability to just hit outrageous, just non-returnable winners. We saw him do it uh, for pretty much four four games, you know, two and a half three games against Paul Cole in the Windy City. So it, it's going to be an he could actually if he doesn't get drawn into the attritional side of the game against Solomon you'd have to put Ibrahim in with a chance I just don't think he's going to have enough court time unfortunately I, yeah. I think Solomon is he looks rock solid at the moment I can see him coming through that one Connor any thought well in that matchup I think um edge to Solomon because he like you said he's um when you come back from an injury you're also going to be a little bit hesitant this is going to be the first yeah. big one so un unless he can really bring his shot making ability to really neutralize it I, I'd give We've also Solomon, got Abulgar but... coming back into the fray after 18 months of uh, injury, so it's great to see him. Yep. Yeah. No. Um, no. Very. Very. Few, very much so. He was a lovely. He was a fantastic player to watch. Um, so we'll see how see how that pans out for him. So on the women's side, I, I think the you know a, a hole in the women's draw right now is Sarah Jane Perry. 
So Sarah Jane Perry's, I believe she's maybe the eighth seed. She, I mean, she is playing. I mean, I don't know if she's injured. Maybe she's near the end of her career. I'm not sure, but she gets, she's been getting beat by some really, really low ranked players. And it kind of opens up that draw a bit um, with, with her being such a high seed kind of makes that, that side of the draw, not as, not as difficult. So, um, there are some intriguing matchups, a Taeb sabrina Sobi round of 16 matchup, obviously. I, th- I think an intriguing match, uh, Connor, based on our uh, our World Championship podcast, is uh, a second-round match between Nayla Gillis and uh, our girl, MVP Wontanabe. MVP Wontanabe, who made a little bit, a bit of a strong run at the um, at the uh, Weimler, beating beating sabrina Sobi pretty handily. So I know we, we, have, we have, when I say we, I mean me, have mocked Wontanabe in the past um, for being the MVP of the— um, of the uh, of the of the world uh, team championships, um, but interesting to see if she's on the big stage can actually uh, step forward and, and be another name to contend with on the women's side. It would be great. She, she she's she's a player. I, I saw. I remember the first time I saw her play on PSA. May have even been at the tournament of champions in May last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, did did she did she get stuck over here and couldn't return home post COVID? I can't remember if there was a story behind her. Or it was another player. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But she she looks like the real deal. I think she's one of the one of the best sort of players from that region that I've seen in in quite some time. Right, right. So the WSF, the fortune tellers. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so give me give me a, a quick prediction, PJ. Uh, uh, winner winner on the men's draw. Women winner on the women's draw. Uh, can't see past the cell. Okay. Uh, for the men's draw, I think he'll play Paul Cole in the final. Okay. And in the women's, I've got a feeling Hamami's going to upset the apple cart. Okay, so we have uh, we have a Saul, um, a Saul, and uh, Hamami. Saul and Hamami. Connor, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely I agree with a Saul. I think he's on a tear. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go Gohar. A Saul Gohar. Oh, well, Asal. way to way to way to take a leap taking the two number one seeds. Well done. Um, yeah. So <laughs> ju- just so just I don't know if we because we we haven't really done predictions. If they're wrong, go back. Well, and... maybe maybe we'll go back and listen to the U.S. Open preview when I pick Diego Elias and Gohar to win, and maybe we'll go back and look at that. How about that? Very yeah. yeah. Very so nice. yeah. So enough, so yeah. you know. So let's let's. Thought you'd thought you'd forgotten about that, Bill. <laughs> I had definitely not forgotten about that. So I am going to go with uh, Mohammed El Shabagi winning this tournament. I think he's geared up his. Ooh. I think he has geared up his his season to, to take over the number one spot in New York, and I think he, he that that is and he's going to put on a show and the amount of times he points to his head and like does all that stuff during this tournament is going to be epic and uh, I, I have a feeling uh, the me in MES is going to come to the forefront and he is going to look past all this controversy look past his brother's nonsense and all the assault um, issues swirling around and he is going to win the men's event um, uh, on the women's side uh, uh, it's hard to go past Gohar um, you chose Gohar uh, PJ uh, chose Amami so I'm going to I'm going to choose um Sherbini. Your girl. My girl. Your girl Sherbini. No, I known her since she was a little kid, you know. I just have a little soft spot in my in my heart for Sherbini. So I hope Amanda makes a run. I hope Amanda makes it to the finals. Um I think it would be great for the tournament and the place would be rocking if if Amanda made it made a big run into this tournament. It's always exciting when a US player is at the TOC. Non squash fans even get involved with it in that in that case, and especially the folks who are walking by the court. So I think that would be incredible, but my pick would have to be Sherbini. We should just give a um a, uh, a quick uh, CSA recap from the weekend. It, it could be pretty brief. I know PJ said he doesn't follow the CSA, so he's going to sit back in his white T-shirt and just soak all this in. Um, uh, Trinity stopped Harvard women's 102-game match streak this past weekend, um, beating them 7-2. Uh, to two. 
uh, although the the score sounds lopsided, seven to two. If you go look at the, uh, I would have loved to have been there. It sounds like it was like re- the tension filled. Um, five games uh, for four of the matches. Four of the seven, um, four of the nine matches went um, went five. One, two, three. Three went four, and the scores uh, were really tight. Uh, it looked like this was a nail biter. So I don't think this, by any shape, uh, way, shape, or form, is a death knell to Harvard women's squash for the year. Um, I think that the the, uh, the CSA women's championship is going to be quite a battle uh, going forward. With the rankings not updating at all at college squash, that actually now the rankings are accurate. Uh, with Trinity being number one. Yeah, Trin, 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 absolutely true. And on, on the men's side, um, uh, Harvard beat Trinity. Harvard men don't look as strong as they have in the past. It looks like this is going to be a a UPenn a UPenn uh, men's year uh, to, uh, to to dominate. UPenn men have lost. Uh, I think I looked it up. Two matches the whole year. They won every match. Nine zero except for two of them. So and that was against Drexel. They lost two matches at the top. Or Drexel is very strong. So. Um, uh, Couple matches coming up. Um, coming up this week, we do have uh, Penn at Harvard on Sunday, so uh, it, it's going to be you know unfortunately going up against the uh, TOC, um, unfortunately. So, um, but otherwise, that's a that's a real a real spotlight. But I think it portends to be a a, a UPenn year, and I think that that win when they beat Harvard at Harvard, I think that will uh, show that they're the dominant force on the CSA tour this year. Yeah, you've got to give that. You got to take your hat off to Jack. Jack Wine and, and Gilly Lane down at Penn the last two, three years. Actually, since when Gilly was awarded the head, head coach's job there, he's done an unbelievable job with his recruitment and with his relationships with the players. I know that I know quite a few players on that team and just the way they feel about Gilly as a coach and his man management is just straight out of the top draw. So uh, I know that it's, it's been a dream of his to go on and win that title. So there'll be nobody happier than... Than, than Gilly himself, and um, thoroughly deserves it. He's a he's a top lad. hundred percent agree, and, and just the fact yeah. that this this job has all is all consuming to him. So he has stepped back from doing any MC duties, which is yeah. great because he is the best MC. He is the best MC in squash, and it opens up opportunities for us lesser MCs. So Gilly, I, I appreciate I appreciate it. <laughs> Win that championship. Win that. Win that yeah. championship, and then just you know, just step back. No, no more MCing for you, Gilly. You don't. You, you've done all you can, and you've done all you can there. Great, Got, well, uh, guys. That was let's fun. Wrap. Let's wrap up. PJ, it was great to see you again. We look forward to seeing you in New York. I'll be down on Friday. Um, although uh, you you have said that you'll get me in the booth, so I look forward to being in the booth during a match with you. Uh, uh, we will get you in there, Bill. Yeah. Right. Thoroughly, yeah. Thoroughly look forward to it. All right. All right, guys. Till next time. See Cheers. ya. Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.